Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Would you rather have Kenyon Drake or Travis Kelsey? David Montgomery or Tariq Cohen in PPR? How about Mike Evans or Allen Robinson? How about salty Keenan Allen or unsalted Keenan Allen? Apparently he's uh, fired up about something on Twitter. Welcome to the show. Hope you had a great weekend. It is Monday and we are here on Fantasy Football today with some ranking disputes before training camp. Everybody have a good weekend. Dave, Jamie, Heath? Yes. Yes. We are ready. Bring on training camp. Bring on two weeks of players jogging. <laughs> Adam, the start of uh, FFT on CBS Sports HQ is uh, Monday afternoon. Yeah, it's a big day. Want to tell us yes. more about it? Uh, well, every day from now until eternity, uh, we will be on uh, CBS Sports HQ at uh, 12 o'clock Eastern, which is our usual time slot. We're going for 30 minutes to start. My guess is by Tuesday, we'll be going for an hour, but uh, we're going for 30 minutes to start and uh, should be a lot of fun. This is going to be a Dave, Heath and Jamie week of five guys we're targeting and five guys we're avoiding. That will be starting on Tuesday. So it should be a lot of fun to see which guys that uh, we're all going to be going after in drafts. And since I'm not going to be on the show, I must be one of the five that they are avoiding. Uh, Heath, it took Heath eight minutes to talk on our latest episode that he was on. Maybe maybe nine minutes today. Now, Heath, how is it? everything good over there? Are you feeling good? Yeah, I got uh, refreshed. Went uh, camping for the weekend. Whoa. Did some uh, swimming in a fresh spring, and uh, I'm fully ready for the uh, eternity. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, what's Keenan Allen mad about? He is mad that he was, I guess, lower on the top 100 NFL list that started rolling out on Sunday. So he uh, he tagged a few wide receivers, uh, Tyree Kill, Chris Godwin, and Mike Evans, and he said they may be faster than me, but they're not better receivers. Uh, and something about his separation being better. So then um, he said he's the best wide receiver in the AFC West. Okay, well, I like to, we like to chip on the shoulder. I uh, like the confidence. A lot of news and notes to get to today. Then those ranking disputes and your emails, fantasyfootball@cbsi.com. Plus, we will finally we will settle. We will put to bed. This debate that I just can't believe is so lopsided right now about being able to sit your DST. We'll just uh, kind of rehash what we talked about on Friday. Can you sit your DST if you're nursing a lead on Monday Night Football? Really sit anybody. But first news and notes. Ronald Jones expected to be the starting running back for Tampa Bay. So if I took Ronald Jones ahead of Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson and Devin Singletary, would you make fun of me? No. Probably. <laughs> make fun of you no I think that's a little too soon um, just given the uncertainty of what that backfield could be it's also in the same report that Dario Gumbawale is going to be the third down back you know so if he's going to be playing on passing downs then you know Ronald Jones could be limited in that regard and there's still Keyshawn Vaughn looming now there are 170 touches that are vacant from what Peyton Barber had a year ago uh, I'm very excited about Ronald Jones I think you know again given the circumstances of what the offseason has been for what these rookies are going to be dealing with I think he's clearly the best Tampa Bay running back. But to take him ahead of those other guys, just knowing what their track record has been, the offenses that they play in as well, and some of the competition that those guys are dealing with, I think Jones could be better than. Will not be surprised, but I still think it's safer to take those other guys first. I'm, I'm taking a, him. I'm taking him in non PPR ahead of those guys. I'm doing it now. After talking to good. his trainer, learning what his regimen has been this offseason, uh, the fact that he's been more focused on football and learning what went wrong in his past, and the whole story is up on CBSSports.com. Uh, I'm I'm buying in. I think he he's got potential to finish as a top twelve running back. I don't have to draft him that way, but I'll, I'll take him as a number two to begin the year, uh, knowing that he's got potential to be a number one. That's a non PPR. PPR is a little bit lower. I would take the the pass catching backs that we're talking about. Now, now Dave, obviously you spoke to his trainer. It's a great story. Everybody should read it on on CBSSports.com. Thank you. Uh, 
Le'Veon Bell's trainer has been talking him up and everything he's been doing this offseason. I would right. imagine David Johnson has been working out and getting ready to go. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things where, and I, I get where you're coming from. Look, you, you know, you have the, the the conversation that you had and 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 that's that's going to, I think, weigh on your decision-making process because we all go through that. But I, I would I would imagine that all these other guys are, are in the best shape of their lives, doing things that they're going to be doing to be uh, in, in the best possible condition going into the season. And so, you know, I, I, I don't want people to be swayed by, you know, just, just the, the thought of he's the only one working out. You know, I guess that's the point I'd like to make. Sure. But I, I would just say that the trainer was able to explain what Ronald Jones was doing wrong and that what Ronald Jones has fixed, not just this offseason, but last offseason. Right. And there's been a lot of talk about the weight gain. And, and we've talked about weight gain before on, on the good. podcast. And, and usually it's not good, but he actually convinced me that a lot of the bad weight gain has to do with food and what you're actually feeding yourself. And I, I it seems to me, look, the trainer's also his chef, and he's he's feeding Ronald Jones healthy stuff. Jones isn't cheating off the diet. And there's evidence of Ronald Jones putting on weight and doing better already. It happened last year. So I think he's got a great, he added less weight this off season. They did last off season and he's running just fine. Now he's his football IQ has improved like uh, his pass protection. They've worked on it every day in the film room and on the field. I I'm looking forward to seeing how he does in, uh, in, in training camp and, in uh in you know inner squad scrimmages whatever we hear about in tampa bay i think he's got a great shot to be um 1300 total yards this year heath hi hey what's going on uh heath so you want players you want running backs on great offenses tampa bay finished third in uh scoring last year but i oddly enough here are the top five offenses last year baltimore san francisco tampa bay New Orleans and Kansas City. In non PPR, only one of those teams had a top 15 running back, and that was Baltimore with Mark Ingram. Uh, now, San Francisco, Tampa Bay, Kansas City, they just didn't have a guy that got enough work. And then Camara was ninth in non PPR, but 17th in PPR. But it was just a weird year where, like, the, the highest scoring teams had did not, they kind of went running back by committee in a lot of cases. But at the, at the same time, Bucks were third in scoring last year. They should be a high-scoring offense. I mean, that that's got to be exciting if you're drafting Ronald Jones, right? I mean, how much of that is a factor for you? Yeah, I mean, I, that definitely helps. I was going to say, like, I made big adjustments or lots of adjustments, mostly small adjustments on Friday, um, Thursday and Friday, just kind of with the new information we have about training camp in the preseason. And Jones is now, for me, ahead of Cam Akers, ahead of DeAndre Swift. He's ahead of all the rookies besides Clyde and Jonathan Taylor. He's right there with Jonathan Taylor. Like, I I think he's going to be in a committee. I don't think there's much of a chance. Dave's optimism that he could be a top 12 running back. I don't get the indication that Tampa Bay is going to have one guy that gets the 300 touches, and I'm not sure he'll be efficient enough to be a top 12 running back without the 300 touches. Like, with the Dare news, with the Vaughn draft pick, he's probably going to share, but I do think he could still be a value if you were able to get him in the in the sixth round as your flex, and then he turns out to be a number two running back. All right, next news item. Todd Gurley did not rule out missing the season. Without making this too much about Todd Gurley, I mean, we're going to find out soon who's opting out. Already we have one player, which is, well, that's our next item, I guess. Kansas City guard Laurent Duvernay-Tardif. He's not going to play this season. Chiefs signed uh, Kelechi Osemele. They actually played two games without Duvernay-Tardif in 2019. One game was with Matt Moore. I won't count it. The one game with Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> they scored 32 points and 530 total yards. So that was good. I, but I think this is now two starting guards from last year, both starting guards that they won't have. Correct me if I'm wrong there. They also, they did bring in Mike Remmers, who played tackle last year, but he, he can move back to guard. They signed Assembly. Anyway, Heath, Chiefs guy, do you think this is a big deal for the Chiefs? I don't. I think we should give him a little bit of props. Like, he's a doctor for anyone that doesn't know and mm -hmm. he's sitting out because he thinks it's more important if he's going to expose himself to be helping people. So, yeah. Um, Shout out to him for being a good human. And uh, I think the Chiefs, yeah, the, the Chiefs will probably be okay. Now, this makes them more susceptible, I think, to like if they have a COVID outbreak for a couple weeks on the offensive line or if they have a cup, one or two injuries, they don't have near as much depth probably. Um, so, yeah, that's a concern. Osimile was a great guard 
in his heyday with the Raiders. Mm-hmm. So if they can if they can muster that up, then they won't miss a beat at all. I'll stick with the COVID news, I guess. Um, six players were put on the reserve COVID-19 list. That could be for testing positive or for being exposed to someone who had the virus. They were uh, not big-name players. Um, but we're seeing what's happening with the Marlins right now. I mean, the news just broke right before we went on. I think nine players or staff have the virus. They're, they canceled their game for Monday. We'll just see what happens. Uh, it's been three days of baseball, basically, and we've got one team with an outbreak, and the Reds had like four players. So, you know, it's a little scary. And, you know, it's hopefully they can contain this and we can learn how to deal with these little outbreaks as they pop up. The Seahawks acquired Jamal Adams and a fourth round pick from the Jets for safety. Bradley McDougal, two first round picks and a third round pick. Uh, Jamie, you know, we want, I think for Russell Wilson, we want Seahawks, the Seahawks to have a bad defense. They were 22nd in scoring defense, 26 in total yards last year. This probably means, almost certainly means no clowny, but they do get Jamal Adams uh, does this have any fantasy impact? I don't think so too much. I mean, the, you mentioned Clowney. Uh, their pass rush could be absolutely abysmal. Um, so, you know, their, their secondary looks great on paper right now, but they're going to be in coverage for probably an extra four or five seconds given how this pass rush could be. So I wouldn't necessarily, you know, alter my view of the Seahawks, but I would put this on the back burner of your mind in case they do decide to, be aggressive in bringing another wide receiver. Um, Josh Gordon probably makes the most sense just given what the parties are, you know, sort of dealing with right now. Gordon's still in Seattle. Seattle seemingly still wanting another wide receiver, but uh, Antonio Brown going back on his retirement, no shock there. Um, You know, that's still a possibility because they're clearly going all in, you know, knowing what they've just given up They're They're trying to win now. And Russell Wilson, uh, congratulations to you on your birth, your child naming, it win <laughs> um, yeah. is, uh, is, is fun. So I, I think, you know, the Adams trade, giving up the draft picks, they're, they're going for it. And hopefully that means they're going to allow Russell to play a little bit more open and free, um, leaning on your best player. Quickly, Adam, I, I also think this helps their defense in terms of covering tight ends. They allowed the huh. second most fantasy points per game to tight ends last year. A lot of it was yardage. It wasn't touchdowns. Adams can start to try and take away Kittle, Higby, Dan Arnold slash Max Williams and everybody else that they play. Okay, Heath, I'm going to give you the rest of the news items. You give me a quick reaction. Here we go. The Dolphins traded for Adam Shaheen. Too bad Ben's not allowed to make a Mike Kosicki joke. Tua Tagovailoa is ready to play. That's exciting. Yeah, Alex Smith has been cleared to play. He can. I, I, by the way, though, on, on Tua, it makes me nervous about the Dolphins receivers because I don't think he's going to be good for them like Fitzpatrick will be good for them. Uh, Alex Smith has been cleared to play. I'd love to see him back. And Heath Dalvin, Cook's agent, said that Cook did not say he was going to report for camp. Mike Zimmer said that, you know, he spoke to Cook. Apparently it was through the running backs coach, and he was going to report to camp. But now his agent's like, nope, not true. What do you think? I, I think, like, if he's not there at camp, we have to take this seriously. I've speculated before... And I think it's been reported by others that actually know things that this new CBA makes it much more difficult for players to hold out and to skip time. But we've seen running backs do things that were not necessarily in their best financial interests or their best career interests. And so if he's not there at the start of camp, we have to take this seriously. We are going to have an auction that we're going to air. It's going to be next Tuesday night or Tuesday afternoon. And it will be on Twitch. So we're going to have the visuals for you. We're going to do it on Twitch. And then if you miss that, you can hear that as an episode um, on this podcast. That'll air on Wednesday. But that's next week. So there's no Twitch this week. But next Tuesday, CBS experts, industry guests like Yahoo's Liz Loza. That's going to be next week, August 4th at 3 p.m. on Twitch. We'll keep promoting it. But follow along as we'll do an auction. It's going to be awesome. And we're back on HQ, as Jamie mentioned, noon to 12.30 p.m. Eastern every day going forward forever. CBS Sports HQ app. Download that, the CBS Sports HQ app, or go to cbssportshq.com. We've got a special guest coming on Friday's episode. We have Ross Tucker coming on. So we're looking forward to that. I also emailed DeMarco Murray because I wanted to find out, uh, since he was part of that 2011 rookie class, and they're the ones didn't have an offseason because of the lockout. So I try to reach out to him, see if he'd come on the show or just respond to my email. 
So far, I haven't heard back from DeMarco Murray, but we're working on it. Uh, we'll see. I just love that you have DeMarco Murray's email address. No, I think he's, I'm pretty sure he's the running backs coach for uh, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. So it's like public. I just Google, I, you know, I, I went on Twitter to find him and then there's like a link to his website and there's his email there. So I'm trying to get DeMarco Murray to, to talk about that. Um, what it was like not to have an off season. I'm working on it, people. I'm working on it. Uh, I was going to do the Twitter poll now, but let's get to the rankings disputes. The crux of the show. Here we go. First ranking dispute, Kenyon Drake versus Travis Kelsey. I used your PPR rankings here. Uh, let's see. So Heath it has Kelsey higher. Dave and Jamie have Drake higher. And I've always mentioned that Travis Kelsey, you know, three years in a row, he's, he's performed like a top 12 wide receiver. But in PPR, he's been a top 12 running back three years in a row as well. Non-PPR, not... He hasn't been, but in PPR, Kelsey's been a top 12 running back and wide receiver three years in a row. That's amazing. So, um, Heath, since you are the highest on Kelsey, you have above Kenyon Drake in your rankings, PPR, why don't you kick it off? A couple of things. One, I think like if you look at what Kelsey's done over the last three or four years, having him compared to the league's average tight end is basically like having an extra half a flex. He, he outscores the average player at the position by about five or six points per game. He's done it for four years in a row. And this kind of, for me, goes back to the, you can't win your league in the first round, but you can go a long ways towards losing it. I feel much more secure in what I'm going to get from Travis Kelsey and that he is going to justify a late first, early second round cost than I do with Kenyon Drake, despite the fact that I do agree that Kenyon Drake has top five running back upside this year. Go for it, fellas. I, I understand Heath's perspective completely. And I think if you're trying to play it safe in round one, Kelsey works. But I know that running backs are the thinnest position in fantasy and tight end isn't quite as thin as it's been in the past. And I'm not going to get another Travis Kelsey. At least I don't think I'm going to get another Travis Kelsey in rounds two through 17. He's he's a unicorn. He's one of a kind. And I, I, I still have to veer toward the running back. I have to start two of them. I know that by the time I get to round six, I'm going to puke when I look at the names of running backs that are available in my draft. And Drake in his eight games with Arizona scored more fantasy PPR points per game than Kelsey did last year. And it wasn't even close. He was in the 19 point per game range and Kelsey was in the 15 point per game range. So I'm, I'm going to take a chance on a running back who should be the every downs guy for Arizona. It's an offense that's taking a step forward. He's going to catch a decent amount of passes. He'll get a lot of big plays. He'll have a lot of smash weeks, just like he did last year. And uh, Drake's going to be my pick. I want to cover that running back position, and I'm I'm not stressing over tight end like I might have last year. What's the ADP for both, Adam? I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, Kenyon Drake is going 10th, and Travis Kelsey, 21st. But in our drafts, he goes closer to 10th. Uh, I, I'm... Almost certainly uh, the way that I'm drafting this year is if I'm picking toward the back end of the first round, pretty much eight on, I'm almost certainly trying to go running back, running back. There's going to be a lot of different circumstances, three receivers, PPR, um, you know, especially depending on the receivers that fall early in round two, you know, which could be uh, Tyree Killer, Julio Jones, uh, where I will consider taking one of those guys because they're awesome. And Kelsey falls into that category. But I think if you're picking in, in the 21 range, which is where I think we're going to end up seeing, is that if you get one of those top four or five running backs, hopefully Dalvin Cook is fine, then I think you're stretching to take a second running back there because of the guys that are going to fall to you. Because I think the Drake, Eckler, Chubb, Henry group that we're going to see, you know, Sanders for everybody but us, Jacobs for probably most, most people as well, uh, are going to fall somewhere in the neighborhood of 13 through 18. Um, I think that's kind of where they'll live. Um, but I think that that's the, the range that I'm looking for. Kelsey is probably 15 on. Whereas, uh, like I think Heath and, and, and Dave hit on this as well. Kelsey is the floor play, which, which also has a good ceiling. Uh, Drake is the ceiling play, which also has a good floor. Like, I think, you know, clearly the, the safety factor is with Kelsey. His upside is great, but if Drake hits at his position, you're going to feel a lot better about that. Okay. I just want to follow up with something Dave said, you know, that you're going to puke when you get to the round six or later running backs. But that's where Ronald Jones is. Well, yeah, that's I'm right not, now where Ronald I'm Jones is. I'm ready to is. take him in round five now. 
Um, okay, so Damian Williams, J.K. Dobbins, James White, Darius Geis, Keyshawn Vaughn, Tariq Cohen, Marlon Mack, Dolphins guys, Tevin Coleman, Carrion Johnson, Philip Lindsay. Really? I mean, compared to guys like Kenyon yeah. Drake and everybody else that you'll take. Well, in but I'm not comparing yeah. them to round one. I'm just like because you could get Travis Kelsey. You know, you know. Yes, you can find. Yes, you can find a running back in round six. You can find a running back in round fifteen. It doesn't mean that they're going to be good or as productive as the running. I just backs named some starting early. running backs, though. The I mean, tight ends that you can find in round six are still going to be good for your fantasy squad. All right. They I guess the be question Kelsey becomes: good. Do you want Kelsey and Philip Lindsay, or do you want Kenyon right. Drake? And Darren Waller. Right. I'd much rather have Drake and Waller. Well, I don't no, think no, 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 not Lindsay. Kelsey means you have to wait until round six to take a starting running back. That's true, too. Yeah, but, right, but, but if Lindsay's you're just looking Lindsay's at the draft the, picks that you're spending on each of those positions. Lindsay's, Lindsay's way back. Lindsay's like round 10. It would be like... Uh, I don't know. That's Mar- the last name I heard you It say would be like before. Marlon Mack. Maybe Damian okay. Williams, but Marlon Mack uh, or... Uh, Better one. So Dan, Tariq Dan, Cohen. Ronald Jones. Tariq so, Cohen, so Kareem Hunt. Ke- Travis Kelsey and Ronald Jones or... Kenyon Drake and Darren Waller. I'm taking Drake and Waller. Of course, I'm going to probably end up one. getting Drake and then Jones and then Waller if I go that route. Okay, oh, everybody. Get, so I think Jones worth the four rounds. <laughs> go, go ahead, Jamie. So, what would you do? Would you do Drake and Waller or Kelsey and Jones? I, again, I I would I would take Drake and Waller. All right, Heath. I think I'd take Kelsey and Jones. I was trying to pull up and see if I had a bigger difference between the who I had the big. Like I've got a seventy-five point difference between Kelsey and Waller, and um, it's almost exactly the same between Drake <laughs> and Jones. Mm. Perfect. That's that's love the way that works out. All right, next debate: Mike Evans versus Allen Robinson. Robinson got one hundred and fifty-four targets last season. Um, he was the 11th wide receiver in non-PPR, eighth best in PPR. Evans, on a per-game basis, was top five in both formats, but he missed three games, and he barely played in another one, but uh, I'm still counting that one. Um, Mike Evans or Allen Robinson, and Dave is higher on Evans. Jamie and Heath are higher on Allen Robinson, and they are back-to-back in ADP right now since July 1st. 29th, 30th overall, wide receivers 8-9. and nine. Uh, Jamie, I'll give you the first word. You have, I think, yeah, you have Robinson a, a higher than Mike Evans. Again, PPR. I think Robinson's got a chance to lead the NFL in receptions if things go right for him with better quarterback play. And I'm hoping that, uh, sorry, Heath, but I'm hoping Nick Foles is better than Mitchell Trubisky. Um, you know, the, the receiving core didn't necessarily enhance itself to the degree that I think it's going to be that much better. Whereas the Bucks did, <laughs> you know, I mean, they bring in Rob Gronkowski. So, I look at this uh, this opportunity for Robinson. When he's been healthy, he's been good. He's never really had good, great quarterback play, and I don't think Nick Foles changes that. But I just think that the touchdowns could come down for Mike Evans enough that it's close, and the receptions should be decidedly in Robinson's favor. The yards will be the thing that sways it. But again, I think if Evans doesn't necessarily have the the fourteen hundred type of season that he could. Uh, and they're both in the 1,200-yard range, which I think is possible, then Robinson should be better than him in PPR. So I'll take my chances on the catches in that regard. I I think that it's a fantasy points per game play. Last year, Evans had more than two fantasy points per game per week than Allen Robinson. The year before that, it was closer to six per game. And now Tom Brady's the quarterback, and I'm not expecting Tom Brady to turn Mike Evans into Randy Moss. But I think Mike Evans is still going to get his fair share of numbers, and he's not going to catch as many passes as Robinson. And we can talk all day long about how great Robinson is considering the quarterbacks that he's catching passes from. But he doesn't get a ton of touchdowns. I think Evans will outscore him there. And I think Evans will get a little bit more yardage-wise. And there's there's more downside, I think. I think Robinson's a fine floor play, but even his floor is lower than Mike Evans' floor. And I think Mike Evans' ceiling is higher than Allen Robinson's ceiling. So I'm going to take the guy who seems a little bit safer and has more upside versus a wide receiver who is good. I'd love to have Allen Robinson on my team, but I'm going to take Evans ahead of him, man. This is one of those weird things where people that don't play fantasy football look at us crazy because we say Jameis Winston being replaced by Tom Brady is worse for his wide receiver, Mike Evans, because I don't think they're going to throw the ball as much, maybe not even near as much as they did last year. They won't have the pick sixes to come back from. They're going to be ahead in more games. They're still going to be, they're still going to throw it more than league average. Bruce Arians is still in charge 
but they won't throw it as much as they did last year. The targets are going to come down on a per game basis for Evans. And I anticipate that Brady is going to lean on those little passes to the tight end, to the running back. And then he'll take some shots, more shots than he did in New England, but not near as many as Jameis Winston did. So I'm worried about Evans' total targets. And whether it's Nick Foles being better than Mitchell Trubisky or Mitchell Trubisky being better than he was last year, the quarterback play will be better this year than it was last year for Robinson. So all that being said, I like Robinson better in PPR. In non-PPR, I would still take Mike Evans. I agree. Same. Okay. Let's go to our next debate. Ben Roethlisberger versus Jared Goff. And I guess I have to debate this because you all have Roethlisberger ahead of Goff. Uh, I'm just going to make the case. I think it's really against Roethlisberger. I can make a good case for Jared Goff as well. Um, But the case against Roethlisberger is that he really, I, I don't think he's really had one very good game without Antonio Brown since Antonio Brown busted out. And he's barely missed time, Antonio Brown. But I, I was specifically looking at 2017 and 18, and it was three games. Roethlisberger scored 22, 21, and 15 points. And then um, week one of 2019, he didn't didn't throw a touchdown. So it's an extremely small sample, and I acknowledge that. But it's not good without Antonio Brown. Um, and actually, I was most surprised that Dave, since you're so low on Juju, uh, I was mostly surprised that you had Roethlisberger ahead of Goff. But I mentioned Goff's touchdown rate, super low last year at 3.5. If you gave him a 5.7 touchdown rate, which he had the year before, and it was 5.9 the year before that, uh, 5.7 touchdown rate, you're talking 35 or 36 touchdowns based on his pass attempts, which will come down. You're talking about a top five quarterback. He was the number two quarterback, I'm pretty sure, before Cooper Cup's injury two seasons ago. Um so I was I was surprised that you guys had Roethlisberger ahead of Goff, uh, Dave. You you in particular. So I I see Roethlisberger as a, a great high upside play. These are both late round types of quarterbacks. I think I like Roethlisberger's schedule a little bit more than Goff's too. I know Week One they've got the Giants. That's going to be a good matchup for Roethlisberger to show that he's back, especially in prime time. And, and there have been photos that have been surfacing of him, and he looks svelte. He looks good. He doesn't look like a chubby lumberjack anymore. He looks like a guy who's actually ready to play some football. And it seems like his arm is back to normal. Hopefully we get a lot more information about that in the days and weeks ahead. And I would just rather spend the pick on Roethlisberger knowing that his receiving core is, I think, I know it's not as established as Jared Goff's receiving core, but I think it's deep. I think he's got a lot of interesting weapons there. It's one of the reasons why I can't go crazy about Juju. Deontay Johnson's a guy I like. We all can't stand Eric Ebron. He's going to have a couple of big weeks during the year. I think Chase Claypool might only learn four routes, but he could make an impact on those routes. James Washington is still there, and guys can catch passes out of the backfield. And here's a key. The offensive line in Pittsburgh is way better than the offensive line in L.A. And when Jared Goff is under some serious pressure, he turns into a baby, he cries, he gets he was down the in the fetal position, last year. and he's done. He was, but, I, he, but he was under pressure, and he's bad under pressure every <laughs> time. It's a, it's a crazy, crazy It is a stat. weird stat. Keith, yeah. uh, may, I, may I take yeah. this one? Because you're going to enjoy what I'm about to ask Adam. Yeah. So this is a great Azer stat, that Ben Roethlisberger has never performed well without Antonio Brown. How well has Jared Goff performed without Brandon Cooks and Todd Gurley? <laughs> I think not having Todd Gurley is a good thing. Okay, how well does he perform without Brandon Cooks on the field? I I don't know. You don't have that information. Oh, so you're going to take away one. Wait, well, I do. I can get that information. And not take away the other guys. I've got that information. But but he still has Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. Oh, so Roethlisberger doesn't have anybody. Yes, Juju. I thought Dave just listed the whole slew of wide receivers that are pretty good. Look, Roethlisberger was old, man. Look, Eli Manning, it went like that. He was old. Philip Rivers had a horrible season last year. Roethlisberger's yes. that same draft class. Um, yes. um, for I, me, the the big thing is like these are guys outside of our top twelve quarterbacks. In a, if we had two quarterback league rankings, I might rank Goff higher. But the last time we saw Ben Roethlisberger play a full season, he was QB three. I don't really think Jared Goff has QB three upside. And at he was QB six point, that same season. And he was, I, and it all fell apart at the end of the year. I, I will say this, that last year, if you take away, and, and again, this is an Adam uh, stat thing. Good. If you take away the four games where Goff combined for 12 fantasy points, uh, it was against 
three of the best defenses, and I'll throw in Chicago because they were obviously still very good. So four of the best defenses in the NFL. Baltimore was one. San Francisco was one. Pittsburgh was one. He was miserable, clearly, in those four games. The rest of the season, he averaged 23 fantasy points per game in his other 12 matchups, including having 23 against the 49ers in the rematch. So there is a very good opportunity for Jared Goff to bounce back. And to your point, Adam, without having Todd Gurley on the field, maybe he throws more in the red zone. Maybe he gets some of those uh, rushing touchdowns. They don't go to to Akers or Henderson or, or Brown. It does go to one of the wide receivers. And as we saw, Higby broke out last year. Cup and, and Woods are awesome. So this could just be a personal preference. As he said, these are guys that are not ranked as top 12 guys. If you feel safer with Jared Goff, like in our magazine, I believe it is, next edition of our magazine, Chris Towers, I think this was the draft. He took Cam Newton and Jared Goff. And I asked him about that in, in the questionnaire that I post to everybody. And I said, do you feel comfortable with these two quarterbacks? And, he, and I think this is the perfect scenario that you want to do if you're going to swing for the fences on a quarterback like Cam who could have a top five bounce back season if things go right, is you take a guy with a good floor. And Goff probably has a safer floor than Roethlisberger because of his age, because coming off of an elbow injury in an offseason that he does not have probably the same rehab and he looks fine like Dave said and, and the video looks great and, and his uh, physical appearance looks great but um, may not have the same rehab with the team because he wasn't allowed in the facility all those things so he may be safer Goff over Roethlisberger but like he said I don't know if Goff has the same ceiling so we'll see and Steelers defense much better than it was last time yeah that's another thing field, he, so much better thing factors in uh, Rams defense may be worse because no Wade Phillips there and, and some changeover so if you want to go Roth, uh, Goff over Roethlisberger I'm Totally fine with that. They're almost back to back for me in my rankings, but I do think that Roethlisberger ceiling is a little bit higher. That's why I would take him. Well, I can and tell you late round picks, so yeah. you shouldn't care about your floor here when you're in round thirteen plus. I can tell you that I do know how well Jared Goff did in two games without Brandon Cooks. Jamie combined seven fantasy points. There you go. There's also the game before that where Cooks had a zero and Goff had twenty six. Yeah, it's all matchups. Game it, was, it was all matchups. There, there, all year yeah, for it's him. more matchup than anything else. Well, so okay. it was Roethlisberger's. It was sure. like a, a, Patri- a Patriots defense, a Ravens defense. Like it was the same thing. Oh, without Antonio Brown? Yeah. Um, all right. Let's yeah. take away. I mean, his Brown, track record I'm without AB is not great. Goff. I didn't hear that. Okay. We're going to take, <laughs> take a break here. Uh, and when we come back, Chris Carson versus the elite quarterbacks and which. Bears running back is better in PPR. We'll be right back. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving nonstop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel. Streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Well, for us, when we draft, you get to the third round and those two top quarterbacks are sitting there. For many others, you're talking more like 20th overall. But uh, Chris Carson might be the best running back on the board. So Chris Carson or Patrick Mahomes, Dave and Heath have Carson ahead of the quarterbacks. Jamie, you would take Mahomes and Lamar before Chris Carson. Carson is sort of uh, at the bridge for me with uh, the running back position of where it starts to get a little bit murky. And I certainly understand if he hits and he's right, he's going to be good. But I think I'm going to start to uh, be out on a lot of these guys coming back from lower leg injuries uh, or leg injuries, excuse me, um, uh, with Carson coming back from the hip injury, kind of similar to what I said about Roethlisberger previously. Like I'm just concerned in certain cases, and, and it, it's very case specific, like Jarvis Landry, for example, same situation coming off of hip injury. Um, I, I'm just a little bit worried about what the long-term impact could be, uh, especially for Carson. He didn't have surgery. So hopefully his, his bone is healed, but this is now two of three seasons where he hasn't been able to finish the year. 
Um, I, I know the Carlos Hyde signing is more about Rashad Penny than it is about, um, uh, uh, about Carson, but I would not be surprised if they do give Hyde enough work that it just impact Carson in some negative way. So he's still a very good number two running back, but the way that I'm going to draft is I'm going to most likely take, like I said, two running backs with my first two picks in the range where I would take a quarterback. Uh, so I'm probably going to be out on Carson. And if I'm sitting there staring at Mahomes or Lamar Jackson in round three, that's an easy choice for me, just given what the upside of those two players will be and also what their floor is. So uh, it's, it's more about how I'm drafting and where Carson, I think, is going to end up going. So I'm probably most likely out on Carson a lot. It could be a big mistake because I hope he's going to be great. But I just think that the offense is trending in a different direction and there are some capable mouths to feed there that could impact Carson in a negative way. Heath? At Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger, Matthew Stafford, and Cam Newton. Oh, Jared Goff, too. Those None of those quarterbacks are in my top eight. Um, every draft, multiple quarterbacks from that group are going to be available in the double-digit rounds. And so I'm just probably not going to get either of the elite quarterbacks because I'm probably going to take a couple of those guys later in the draft. And it sounds so stupid. I'm going to take Chris Carson ahead of Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. I mean, you know for a fact that even if Mahomes isn't at 100%, even if Jackson doesn't do what he does last year, they're both going to average more fantasy points per game than Chris Carson. You know this is going to be true. Oh, they're going to double him up. Heath laid it out perfectly. It's a supply and demand thing. And if if listen, it's different if I'm in a 10-team PPR league and maybe it's six points for passing touchdown, and I know that running backs are going to be available later and later, then, yeah, I think I can probably splurge on a quarterback in that type of a format. But I I, I want to get those running back positions filled. Carson has given me 1,400 total yards and nine touchdowns each of the past two seasons. All they did was add Carlos Hyde. If I want to handcuff Carlos Hyde as an insurance policy to Chris Carson, I can do it with a late pick because nobody's looking for Carlos Hyde on draft day. It's it, it's the only reason. It's the only good reason for taking Carson ahead of one of these elite quarterbacks. Okay, I'm not sure it's a great reason though because he's got. It, it, I'm talking PPR here. Sure, sure. Um, he bare he almost averaged 15 it, PPR points per game last well, year. Well, it's just that we we keep we always talk about how Russell Wilson might throw the ball more, and he's got. Metcalf and Locke, he's got his best tandem of wide receivers. They they brought in Philip Dorsett. They might sign Josh Gordon. Um, their defense, Olsen. Greg Olson. Greg Olson, they brought in. Sure. It doesn't seem like we ever knock Chris Carson for this. And well, if they who, do start throwing the ball more, that's going to be really bad for Carson. Who's their best pass catching running back on the roster? They don't. Right? He doesn't throw to his running backs. It's Chris Carson. It's Chris Carson. He's and not going to catch. Might 50. end up seeing a career high in catches this year because of it. Well, he just had a career high in catches and he missed some time. And so, right. you know, it's certainly a fair it. point. You know, 37 the catches is career high. So I, I think Chris Carson's a very good back. I just, for me, it's like, again, it's the way I'm going to most likely draft. I, I'm not going to probably go three running backs in a row when I've taken two that I'm very happy with. And then one of those two quarterbacks are staring me in the face, plus those other receivers that are going to be there in round three. So, again, I have no problem if somebody wants to take Carson in, in the third round. I think, again, he's he's one of the the better number two running backs and you know, I don't want to lump him in with the older guys, you know, quote unquote, older guys of Melvin Gordon and Todd Gurley, or not, they're not even old, you know, just the retread guys, because he's on the same offense. But uh, I, again, I'm concerned a little bit about what the health could be, um, because really haven't heard anything aside from Mr. Optimism saying that he's expected to be fine. And Pete Carroll's going to say that for the most part about everybody that's not named Rashad Penny. So, <laughs> you know, the Carlos Hyde signing is a little bit of a red flag, small one, but it's a little bit of one. And, and we'll see how that goes because it's not like they're just throwing a, a young running back in there. They're taking a the guy coming off a thousand yard season. That's a capable veteran. It's, it's the, it's the Le'Veon Bell, Frank Gore scenario to a certain extent outside of Gore played with Adam Gase. And so there's a relationship there. Carlos Hyde doesn't do things wrong. <laughs> He's just not an elite level talent, you know, so Carson fumbles or Carson misses a block or Carson does something incorrect. You know, there's a guy that's capable of doing something right. sitting on the bench. And just to go back to what Adam said about like, Seattle throwing more. I do think if if that happens, Chris Carson and Chris Carson plays 16 games, he probably joins the 50 catch group. All right. That's like, a that's great group fair. of top 12 running backs. Fair point. Tariq Cohen versus David Montgomery in PPR. Heath has Cohen higher, one spot ahead of Montgomery. Um, I brought this one up, though, even though they're back-to-back. Dave and Jamie ha- have Montgomery well ahead, at least six spots ahead of Tariq Cohen. So, Heath, you at least think it's a debate. Again, you have Cohen one spot ahead of, of uh, David Montgomery. Uh, 
I just, well, I can give this stat a little bit later. I just thought it was kind of a fun stat. But go ahead. Why don't you kick off the debate of Cohen versus Montgomery, in specifically in PPR. It's not a, it's not a not, and I'm assuming Heath and half PPR, it's easily Montgomery for you too. It, it is. And yeah, like, this is one of the problems when we do these rankings. I've got them separated by a point and a half in full PPR projections for an entire season. So I do think I'm pretty optimistic about Montgomery being better than he was last year. But most of the reasons that I'm optimistic about that are also good for Tariq Cohen. His efficiency was even worse than Montgomery's. And with Cohen, we actually have a track record of two years before that that shows that he's actually a very good running back. And he's very, much more likely to regress in a positive manner than what we saw from Montgomery last year just because we have the track record from Cohen. I think Taylor Gabriel leaving while it's going to help Anthony Miller will also help Tariq Cohen, who lines up in the slot a lot and will run a lot of those bubble screen type plays, maybe get him a few more big plays down the field. And so I like I like both these guys. I really wouldn't be too upset if I started with wide receivers and Travis Kelsey early in the draft to have these two guys as my starting running backs. I think they're both going to be borderline starters in PPR. I've got Montgomery ranked higher, but I'd rather get Cohen at his ADP, which is going to be a little bit later in PPR than Montgomery at his, because if Montgomery can't get going and Look, he, he barely had more PPR fantasy points per game than Cohen last year, and Cohen played half the snaps last year. But if he can't get going, the Bears are going to have to make a move at running back. And I think just the smartest thing for them to do is just say, all right, we're just going to throw the ball a lot, and Cohen, we're going to get him the ball in space. But I'm not sure that that's going to happen. What if Montgomery does bounce back? And Montgomery seems to be a real sure bet for short yardage and goal line compared to Cohen. So I'm I'm going to take the second-year running back who doesn't catch nearly as many passes but could get 35 catches and did better in PPR on a per-game basis last year than Cohen did. I think if you are rooting for Tariq Cohen, you want Nick Foles to be the starter because he won't run as much as Trubisky will. So that'll help with some of those dump-off passes. Um, this, is, this is almost, uh, for me, uh, floor versus ceiling and a – depending on how you build your roster type of move. Because I think if, like he said, if you need, I think a little bit more of a guarantee, you want to take three cone. If you want to swing for the fences play, I think it's more Montgomery, which is why I have him ranked higher than in, in that format and certainly higher in, in non PPR. I think if both guys stay healthy, the touches will favor Montgomery. I think uh, Dave is right. The touchdown should favor Montgomery. Um, receptions is not going to be close because three cone should definitely, as he said, help fill the Taylor Gabriel role help play uh, a variety of roles can play in tandem with Montgomery as well. So uh, again, I think if you, if you need a safer play to sort of solidify starting lineup, whether it's, you know, one of your top running backs or flex, it's, it's probably better to go Cohen in PPR, but if Montgomery hits, you're going to be thrilled about where you're getting him in that round six range, you know? So I think that's the play that I would make. Well, that's, that's the last thing I wanted to say. There's no doubt based on current NFC ADP who the better value is here. There is yep. no way there should be. Currently, David Montgomery is a round four pick, uh, 47.9, I think, over the last two weeks, over the last month. Tariq Cohen at the end of round eight. So yeah, this is yeah. this is where people are just you know pushing up these 250 touch running back type of guys. And again, if he hits, he's going to be great. But it shouldn't be that much difference between the two of them. I tried to do some math. Um, tell me if this makes sense. So t- let's give Tariq Cohen 75 catches, which is right in between what he did in 2018 and 19. Let's give Montgomery 23. Jordan Howard has had 23, then 20, and then Montgomery had 25. So that's a 52 catch. Wow. Di- what? I've, I've got Cohen at 76 and Montgomery at 24. Okay. So <laughs> we got about a 50-point difference in PPR there. I gave Cohen 1,000 total yards. He had... Closer to twelve hundred in two thousand eighteen, but not even seven hundred last year. But I gave him a thousand total yards, based on what Jordan Howard and and David Montgomery have done in the last three years. I gave Howard eighty more total yards than Cohen, and that still gives Cohen like a forty to forty four point lead in PPR before we get to touchdowns. So that means Montgomery would have to score eight more touchdowns than Tariq Cohen, to, assuming that the total yards and the catches are right here, to outscore him. And since Cohen has had eight and three touchdowns, even if we just give him three touchdowns, do you think David Montgomery is getting 11 touchdowns? So Montgomery would have to just do a lot better, I guess, than Howard and and he and Montgomery did last year. Um, he, just had, he just had to be a really good running back, I guess, which is possible, and that's the upside. But the 50-catch difference 
it's just it's just enormous in this format, and the value is great for Tariq Cohen if, if that happens. Uh, but I did want to mention that two years ago, Tariq Cohen had four catches of 35 or more yards. And I didn't really know how to put that. It seemed like a lot. He had a 70-yard touchdown catch. Christian McCaffrey has never even had a 40-yard catch. He's had two catches in his career of 35 or more yards. They were, I think, 37 and 38 yards. Cohen did that four times in, uh, and three times was like 45 or more yards in 2018. So I don't, I'm not chasing 2018. I think that was Cohen's best season, uh, like it will be. Uh, just kind of crazy how good he was that year, but he did some fluky stuff. And even crazier is that the Bears won't unleash him. I mean, he's played 49 career yeah. games in Chicago. He's had 22 games with 10 or more touches. So not even in half of his games has he had 10 touches. It's my size, they, Dave. They don't want to use him. <laughs> Would you unleash me? Yes. Oh, thanks. Thanks for nothing. All right, I had a lot of emails here. I'm going to save them to tomorrow. I, I just want to read uh, this Twitter poll. I want Dave and Heath to wait, or Jamie and Heath to weigh in on this because they did not on Friday. We debated this on Friday's show. Now let's do a Twitter poll. A team is winning a fantasy matchup going into Monday Night Football and only has a DST left. The opponent is done for the week. Should the team be allowed to sit the DST to avoid negative points? And there were four of us on Friday's show, and I was the only one that said no. So 75% said yes. 25% said no. And the Twitter poll, 76.5% said yes. You should be allowed to sit a DST. And 23.5% said no. I just, I am really shocked at where the public opinion is on this. Jamie, how do you feel about this? Should you be allowed to? Um, no. Hmm. Yeah, but, right. Hell yeah. But if your league allows you to and it guarantees you to win, then yes, you do it. Yeah, well, if you're, but you're, yeah, that's the premise. Should your league allow it, I guess. But. No, I mean, you know, you set your lineup for a reason. That's why you have limits on your starting lineup. That should be the case. Heath? I think I think this we had this happen in um, a fantasy baseball league this week. Someone did not have a catcher on their roster. Waivers went through and they didn't have a catcher and the season was starting and they were just taking a zero for the week because they didn't have a catcher. My league? One of my leagues? No, not oh, one okay. of your leagues. All right. And then the commissioner went in and gave them a catcher that's not in the league any longer just so that they would score points at their other positions. It, like It's obviously totally dependent on what your league setup is. I personally think you should be able to take a zero out of position if you want to. But that's not fair. <laughs> what I do. But yeah. No, it's it's the last four words that he said. If you want to. No, of course. If you're in you charge want of to, your team. You have to set a legal lineup. Yeah, but so it's, it is case, legal. You're you starting to catch in your lineup. Yeah, you have to put a, a you have to play a DST there. Right. So like in, in Heath's. And he's uh, the, the way that he described it. Like if you have a tight end that, you know, is not playing Monday night and that's the guy that's on your roster, but you're winning and you get, you know, you're afraid he's going to fumble. The other guy might fumble. You have to put a tight end in. Yeah. Put, put right. Put a tight end in. That's right. not going to play and going to score zero, but you can't just sit the tight end and not well, have a I, tight again, end. Why not? It's your team. I, if you, again, you can do I it if you want to, this comes back to CB our standard setup is that if you don't have a position filled in your lineup, then you, you've got an illegal lineup. Yes. Where most other people are playing outside of CBS, that is not a thing. If you have an open lineup, that spot just scores zero, and the rest of the team's points accrue. So oh, yeah. if you're in one right. of those leagues, there's no reason you can't do this. I don't think you should be in one of those leagues. I think that is silly. I think every league I, should require I understand, you but to as you start. are seeing on the podcast and on the Twitter results, three-quarters of... The world is, is wrong. You. Yeah, against right. You. So <laughs> I'm trying to influence them and make their lives better, Heath. That's what I'm here for. To yeah, make people, you're not do that. Make yeah, people happy. I don't think that's making their lives better. You're taking away an option and a choice. And Freedom. this is America. And yeah. this is fantasy football. And I can't think of anything that's more the, the, patriotic and definitive of freedom than fantasy football and the ability to set your lineup. The, the way dumb thing you want is it. that why would you give defense negative points? That's just stupid. Well, no, it's just your defense, like you've got... I, I know, know, you give them a certain amount yeah, of... look, it right, could be right, your right, quarterback, right, right. right? I mean, sometimes those quarterbacks have those four interception games, and they end up right. with, like, negative five. So, Adam, Running to, back to fumbles on the first yeah. play. But, but the part of the that, game. though, is, like, you know, if if your quarterback throws a pick six and it counts against your defense, like, the scoring, that's just stupid. Yeah, that is dumb. 
Go so, ahead, Heath. To clarify, if if you were in this situation and it was first come first serve waivers on Sunday and Monday because of COVID, and there was a defense on a buy, you'd be fine with picking them up and playing the defense on the buy to get zero points. Correct, I would. But See, what, I think then that's just a, no because you know what? Why don't you make just no make the because you have to force the the fantasy manager to make that roster move. Before the week starts, I guess, and before those lineups, lot. Well, I, I don't no, know because how we're going to have first come, first serve waivers, or at least I am. Um, nobody locks until their game starts. If you're on a buy, your game never starts. So that's an interesting because a lot of times it's you know this is brought on by an email about a, a championship matchup and there were no teams on buy. So this was Monday Night Football and you couldn't pick up a team that was on a buy. So that is a bit of a gray area. I'll have to think about that, Heath. But I really think that you need to start a legal lineup. That's how I would do it. I just, you know. Well, no, but everywhere else, that is a legal lineup. The only way you could have an illegal lineup was by playing too many players. You can't have an illegal. Like, no, it's there's not no legal penalty to- if you go out on the field with 10 players on defense. You just only have 10 players. Uh, but it's advantage. a penalty if you do it on offense. It's a. I'm not is sure. It? Is it? I think I it probably think is. So. I don't think so. Well, and we're talking, about de- we're talking about defense anyway. You could run zero defenders out there on an NFL play, and there would be no flag thrown. Is it? Nah, it's probably is, is it a penalty? I don't know if I've ever seen an offense. No, because no. teams have played with. There's never a not enough men on the players. field penalty. No, 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 no. Uh, can an offense snap the ball at ten? Yeah, I guess they probably can. I believe they can. Yeah, I believe it's happened. I think we just won the uh, debate. I don't think so. I don't think so at all. This is preposterous. <laughs> I got to go. We're out of here. There was no debate. What are you talking about? All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, more training camp stuff tomorrow. We're going to talk about training camp battles. Who's going to rise in ADP? Uh, we've got a fun points per game episode coming up this week. we got Ross Tucker on Friday. we got a good week of fantasy football podcasting. Vote for us. Nominate us on Podcast Awards. Tell your friends about our show. And we'll talk to you on Tuesday. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.